I feel that every risk you take is a learning opportunity. There is something that you learn with every risk you take and that in itself compensates for your, you know, whether you're successful or not because you have learned something new. And as long as you're learning, you're always succeeding. This is In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Corinne Lines. And I'm Suchi Srinivasan. Each episode, we have meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital business and technology. This week, we're speaking with Kavitha Prasad, Vice President and General Manager of Data Center AI, Cloud Execution and Strategy Group at Intel Corporation. Kavitha is an accomplished technologist who has worked across senior roles in a diverse range of fields. Kavitha is a true lifelong learner, and as you heard in her introduction, believes that taking risks are important for growth. Here's our conversation with Kavitha. My name is Kavitha Prasad. I am a technologist at heart. Uh, with a business acumen as well. And I'm currently heading AI strategy and execution for Intel. So I know our listeners want to know, tell us a little bit about your path to this role, especially at this moment of time uh, with everything that's happening around us in AI. How did you get here? Somebody told me early on, Suchi, that career is a jungle gym. And for me, it was really a jungle gym. You land in somewhere, you land out somewhere, you don't know where you're going to land out. And my career took me through all these uh, roller coaster rides and I landed in AI. So out of college, I started out as a digital design engineer working on Ethernet switches. And networking was huge then in the early 2000s. And I thought I was going to die a networking engineer. <laughs> but then... Two years down the road, what I realized was after doing networking, I was like, I wanted to learn more. I want to do something else. I want to expand my portfolio. And that's when I got into mixed signal design and verification. That was fun because during those days, there was a challenge of how do you get the analog working with digital and how do you make sure you don't catch bugs after your silicon is available, right? Because it's expensive to tape out these products. So how do you make sure you catch it pre-silicon? That was fun, right? Right. Coming up with methodologies and all of that stuff. After two years, three years after doing that, I was like, I wanted to do more. It was like, that's when I realized my hunger for technology is crazy. It's like, I just want to do it all. And then I got into Sandbridge servers, which is which was the first server chipset that Intel brought out and worked on variety of uh, technologies there. Uh, so after that, after 13 years of stint at Intel, this was all at Intel, I was like, okay, I've done most of the servers, SOCs and chipsets. What next? What do you? What do I want to do next? And that's when I got an offer to go uh, do FPGAs in Xilinx. And I had no idea what F in the FPGA stood for. And I'm like, oh, okay, it must be, I have done ASICs, I've done SOCs. It must be very easy to do FPGAs. And so I land there and then I realized, Oh my God, FPGAs are a completely different animal altogether. It is a completely different beast. So much change. Yeah, it's very, very different. The use cases are different. Everything is different. And from there, after that, I got exposed into the business and the product side of things. And that's what I did at Intel. And then I wanted to, uh, when I was uh, back in Intel from Xilinx, I got exposed to AI and I wanted to, learn more about it. It was just still uh, early stages. It was five or six years back when it was not as sexy as it is today. 
So I was like, okay, how do I get uh, more uh, hands-on on it, right? And that's when I moved uh, into a startup, Seema.ai, and that's where I got to dabble with it hands-on. Um, and from there, uh, then Intel approached me to head the AI strategy and execution. But it has been an interesting career that led me to AI, and now I'm really enjoying it. It felt like, you know, listening to your story every two to three years, you were like, what's next? What's new? For me, what I truly believe, Suchi, is change is the only thing that is constant in our lives, right? That is something that propels me forward. And the other thing I'm really scared of is when I get too comfortable, it makes me uncomfortable. It feels like I'm getting complacent. It feels like I'm not learning. I'm not growing. For me, it's like I would love to be a lifelong student. And as long as I'm learning, as long as I'm exercising my brain muscle, I'm happy. And the minute that I feel that I can do things just easily because I have learned it all or I have spent a lot of time at it, I just get uncomfortable. And that is something that bothers me a lot. And that's what gets me to take these risks. You've described a career spent in very deep technical portions of the tech universe, right? It's as tech as it gets, basically. I'd love to hear specifically sort of what were the, some of the barriers and challenges being a woman in this field? I assume you weren't surrounded throughout your career by tons and tons of women mentors and sponsors. So I'd just love to hear a little bit about what you encountered, you know, stories of both barriers and challenges, but also perhaps, you know, inspirational support examples, you know, people, allies, movements, opportunities. Definitely, Suchi. Now that you ask me, I, had, I have stopped thinking about it for a long time now. It doesn't bother me at all. But now that you ask, it, definitely there were challenges, right? As an engineering student, in, uh, uh, you know, getting a, a degree in electrical engineering, a bachelor's, I was, we were only two women in the entire class of around 40 or 50. So right from then on, I kind of, my immunity grew towards observing these things. One thing uh, is very important is when I started my career at Intel, um, to begin with, I'm a true introvert at heart. It's very difficult for me to pull myself out of that shell. But when I started work, I always thought my work is going to speak for itself. Do my job. My managers are going to take note of it. My peers are going to take note of it and I'm going to get rewarded. But it was my first manager and mentor who I'll ever uh, will always be indebted to. He was like, if you think that your work is going to speak for yourself in the technology field, especially in these large companies, think again. Fair enough. He, he brought me out of shell, actually uh, allowed me to showcase my work. And when I was not there or when I was hesitant to, he actually played the role of sponsor by speaking for me when I'm not there. So early on, I found both a mentor and a sponsor in my manager. And it was a he. It was so fantastic that it brought me out of shell and it was I was able to actually contribute meaningfully in my uh, field, not only contribute, but also talk about what I was doing. And that paved the path where I would not hesitate to just, you know, be another voice in the room, not think about whether I'm a woman or a man or how many women are there in the room, how many men are in the room. I just stopped thinking. I just started like I'm an engineer. I have the same education as the rest of them. I have the same technical chops. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to contribute. And things change from then on. 
what a wonderful story. And I think what you're really telling us is the importance of finding that kind of ally who can really build up your confidence very early on in your career, because those times in your career are so formative that once that confidence gets built up, it looks like it propelled you through the rest of your time because you stopped having or maybe you never had the self-doubt, which, uh, which you know, we often see among the stories of many of uh, our senior women leaders, you know, in their journeys. That's so true, Suchi, because uh, there was this one time when I was in a architecture conference, system architecture conference at a company in one of the companies I worked for. And I was, I presented something uh, in a room full of uh, system architects. And one of the system architects comes and sits next to me and says, Kavita, what is wrong with this view? I'm like, what's wrong? I thought my presentation went well. It was well received. What's wrong with it? He says, there are hundred men in this room and you're the only woman. I had, I had stopped observing those things, right? So that was the powerful impact. That was when I realized my growing years in my career, if I had not had that mentor and ally and sponsor in my manager, I wouldn't be where I am today. So it's all uh, thanks to him that I'm here. That sounds wonderful. And that's such an important learning um, also for corporations here as, as we go forward and try to nurture the talent. Let's pivot a little bit now. Uh, into your work, current work with AI, strategy and Intel. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what does your job look like on a day-to-day basis? What kinds of decisions do you make? Just give us a flavor for, for what you're doing. From an AI strategy perspective, you are well aware it can be on the edge, it can be on your client, or it can be on the cloud. So you need to look at the entire stack and now uh, or the entire uh, uh, life cycle. Um, And also we know that AI is one of the technologies which is changing much faster than the previous technologies, right? From just neural networks to predictive AI to generative AI, it is changing really fast. It really does seem like it's coming out of that, uh, you know, the trough into, into a more mature stage and the pulse rate of the developments do seem to be quickening up, right? <laughs> That's so true because I have, uh, uh, I had the pleasure of working with few of the, you know, uh, AI scientists who got their AI degrees in 1983 and they were like, it was not as hot as it is today. All of a sudden something <laughs> seems to have changed. Right? So, um, so yeah, it, it, it's so considering it's con- continuously changing and for a company like Intel, which is technology rich and we have so much of technology, how do you make yourself the, be a strong player in the market? How do you make sure that you are abreast of the technologies that, you know, AI is driving? How do you uh, make sure you are bringing out solutions at the cadence that matches the the innovation that's happening in AI. So all of these things are one of the uh, one of the charters. And the other thing is that Intel is a big company. How do you make sure you bring all the voices along together? How do you make sure you're all pivoting in uh, or rowing in the same direction, making sure you're working with the technologists and setting the strategy and making sure executing towards it? That's the second piece. And the third piece is where are the revenue opportunities? Where are the new business opportunities? Where should Intel grow? Where should Intel invest in? Where should we partner with? What does cooperation look like? That's the third aspect of it. So working on all these things at an Intel uh, level is really uh, exhilarating and it is a fun, uh, fun job, Suchi. 
it it also sounds like it's a very big job, a busy job and not leaving you room for anything else much in the day. But that's a very ambitious charter that you, that you've laid out. One last question about AI before we pivot back to some of the people aspects of this is just over the last few weeks, the media, uh, social media and, and traditionally everything's been obsessed with generative AI. I'm just be curious, what do you think the future of AI strategy looks like? What's what's in store for all of us here? So it is it is going to be an interesting uh, uh, journey, Suchi. I wish I had the crystal ball to predict how it is all going to shape up. But one thing to keep in mind is also now the chat GPT has just, uh, you know, has uh, it has created an uproar in the industry, right? Everybody is talking about it. But when you think about it, GPT 3.5 did the same thing. It's why is chat GPT just being so much talked about. The fact is they have made it easy for any person who does not know AI to talk about it. In fact, my son, who's who has no idea what computers are and he wants to get into the medicine field, was having a debate about me about the pros and cons of chat GPT because he was able it was so easy for him to use, right? So that's where the world is. It's it's made it so accessible. The chat GPT has made it so accessible that everybody's able to see what it is capable of doing. But it's still a little bit away from actually taking that and making it result in meaningful business outcomes from enterprises and customers' perspective, that's where the journey is headed, right? That's one aspect, but still uh, generative AI is still uh, based on the trained data. You're training training it against a given set of data, right? It's still not very dynamic. That's where, uh, you know, artificial general intelligence or artificial super intelligence is still, we are still way ahead. This is still the tip of the iceberg. And the fact that you need to add common sense into it or emotions into it or all of that stuff is going to take time, reducing biases, adding explainability. So it's still far off, but it's an exciting uh, tip of the iceberg that we are at. And uh, it's going to be fun to see where all this leads to. So just reflecting on your, um, uh, your workplace, do you see a lot of other women in leadership and C-suite roles, you know, you can reflect on Intel, but also more broadly across the industry would love to see, you know, has the situation changed since when you first started your career? Situation has definitely changed, Suchi. At least in Intel, we do see a lot of women at the leadership roles. Uh, in fact, the two of the major business units in Intel are led by women. But having said that, it's not enough. There are not enough voices or diverse voices at the table, right? It's not just about women, but there are not enough diverse voices at the table. That's where I would want a rapid progression to happen because the day we stop talking about it is when you will realize the change has already happened, right? The very fact that we are talking about it today is means the change is not complete yet. I never thought about it that way, but I think you're so absolutely right. We have to stop showcasing this. You know, we're still hunting for these inspirational examples of people like you to shine the light on and and bring forward for our audience. So you're absolutely right. This has to become the norm and not the exception. Let's shift a little bit now to risk taking and let's talk about maybe what kind of risks you took in your career or trying to delve into Um, you know, some of your risk-taking mentality and how you think about that, how you weigh those decisions. I think I'm a sucker for risks, Suchi. (laughs) 
you go out and you seek them out. <laughs> so then maybe we just need to know, you know, what's your mental mindset so we can unpack it <laughs> for our listeners. Uh, my career has been a step function, right? Not just in career, even in life. I like to it, it take on unpredictable stuff. That is what keeps me motivated. I'm not a kind of a person who likes to plan everything and stick to the plans because I feel like I mentioned earlier, change is the only thing that's constant. Life is what happens to you when you're busy planning for it. So why even bother plan for it? Right? <laughs> and make that the way of life is basically what you're saying. That's, that's so true. But it drives people around me crazy. I should be very honest with you, especially my uh, husband and my kids. But hey, that's how I am. So from a career perspective, it has been a step function, be it going from uh, SOCs to FPGAs. I had to relearn all about FPGAs. I had to learn what it meant or going from management is an individual contributor into a startup, right? After 17 years of management, going and coding and going at a pay cut of almost 80% is a risk not many people are willing to take. And I took it because I just wanted to get hands on on AI. So, uh, has the risks paid off? I feel that every risk you take is a learning opportunity. There is something that you learn with every risk you take. And that in itself compensates for your, you know, whether you're successful or not, because you have learned something new. And as long as you're learning, you're always succeeding. So I think that's the key nugget here that you're sharing is it's not about thinking about the risk as such and then letting that paralyze you to some extent, but instead to embrace it because buried in that risk is a learning opportunity. And if you don't let the fear of failure sort of paralyze you or stop you, there's a ton of learning and out of that learning then comes growth. So Kavita, you've had a few different roles at Intel, right? And you left Intel, went to the startup, came back. You've also left and gone back a couple of times. What kept you coming back to Intel? Intel is a technology rich company, right? It is, there is so much of good technology that's happening within Intel all the way from client to, uh, you know, um, to servers, to cloud, to there is, uh, the things you can do when you put this technology together is the possibilities are limitless. And that's what keeps bringing me back to Intel. Kavita, can you tell us about a time when you felt in your element? Anytime I hear the words, this can't be done, I'm in my element, Suji. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring out the challenge. Yep. That's, that's amazing. Because I do strongly believe that nothing is impossible, right? Yes, it may be improbable. The probability of success may be low, but hey, it's impossible is not a word that I would like to limit my thought process. So Anytime somebody says this can't be done, it brings out that I don't know what it is. It's the obsession to go prove that it can be done or the fact that, yes, it cannot be done, but I want to prove it at least by putting an effort towards it. That was my conversation with Kavita Prasad. Corin, what were you thinking as you were listening to that? What a spectacular career she's had. So amazing. And I think her example of sort of this relationship she had with her manager and how he sort of became her sponsor and also an ally, but also someone who was there to say, hey, I've got your back. This is what I think the path is that you should forge forward and let me help you manifest that. Let's, let's work on that together and let me go and say, this is the person for the job. 
that's quite unique advice. I mean, I think sometimes you have people who are saying, hey, here's what I think you should do. Here's what you should follow. But like he's like for him to actually put his neck out and put his neck on the line and say, hey, here's the person who's going to help us move this specific initiative forward and really support her as the right fit is is massive. And Suchi, what stands out for you most about your conversation? First of all, there was just a personality observation about the kind of person that she was and what role that's played in her journey, which I think isn't really gender specific, right? She talked a lot about embracing risk and using that feeling of when she stopped learning at a particular job or it's not feeling challenging enough. That's really the signal to go seek out the risk. And there's almost this notion of the good risk and the bad risk because the good risk propels you in a direction of personal and professional growth and uh, ends up creating opportunities for you. That I thought was just great advice overall, right? Not really anything specific to women, but it was just great that she used it so consistently throughout her career to drive her growth. And then, I mean, really the other thing that stood out for me was her comment at the very end about, we're still having this conversation, you know? So she talked about even just Intel as an example and how far it's come having many role models with, you know, very senior women executives who are leading multi-billion dollar businesses. And boy, what great role models those are for women in that company and outside. But even then, I think she she brought such pragmatism with her comment about uh, here we are still talking about these issues on this podcast and therefore the change isn't complete yet and the journey still remains to be traversed. And I thought that was a very apt summary of where we are today. Well, that's all for today. This has been In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. Join us every episode to hear meaningful conversations with women leaders in digital business and technology. Thank you so much for listening.